0: the first day I've been actually able to sit up in about four or five days.
1: Oh, great. You had I've even mac-
0: had a yeah, I've even had a, a bath today because cool. I can stand up in the bathroom room long enough to have a shower.
1: Oh, perfect. That's great.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's not finished yet, but at least I can sit up and I can do so joyfully. So I'm oh, really good. glad to be able to talk with you about oh, me this. Too. Okay, awesome. so Scott. The story that we've had so far that we can review to catch everybody up is, is that you had been practicing Anapanasanti somewhat successfully until you got yourself into a really, really good state, something that like you've never had before, okay? That would be like either in the neighborhood or actually in the first jhana. Guess what? You keep practicing, even that state will become ordinary, Think about it like that. The very best that you can come up with, you can have it just about all the time until it too becomes ordinary. But then it didn't. It would be very, very special because it was short-lived. Short-lived, yeah. Yeah, it was short-lived. So you finally get the skill to get into that state, but then you didn't have the skill to maintain it. And so that's what we're talking about now is, is that you've already started learning to develop the skill of getting into a really good state. How do we begin to sustain that and and a really good
2: way of understanding that. Is. To. Uh, I want to stand this, we could bring some
0: psychology in. And the psychology that I bring in actually has very strong roots in uh, uh, neuroscience. And um, this comes out of behavioral psychology right back to Freud. In fact, Freud developed the concept of id, superego, and ego. Have you ever heard of that three-way combination? Okay. So it's actually a good descriptive way to talk about what's happening in the mind. The Buddha didn't use that particular example, but he sure did note the pieces well. OK, that basically um, Eric Byrne made it much more comprehensible by relabeling it parent, adult and child, except that they still didn't get it exactly understood well. So the parent is actually the place in the way that we store all of our concepts including the concept, like, if you don't work, you don't eat. Or you've got to work. If you don't work, everything is going to go to hell, okay? Yeah. Guess what? People who don't work generally wind up more in the heaven than they do in hell. That, in fact, the, uh, one of the jokes about Christianity is Christianity itself needs hell. Yeah. <laughs> Without Christian, true. without hell, Christianity don't work. Well, guess what? Without the hell uh, of work, our society doesn't work. True. Okay. Except that then it would turn into a heaven, not into a hell. The hell is the work
2: that we're doing needlessly. That you could just hang out all the time. I hang out. That's all I do is hang out.
1: But this, doesn't someone have to work? I mean... <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, actually um let's not get into the logistics of it let us say that when you start applying your mind well through your own wisdom you will find the solution to that and we might be able to work through a few things but let's tie back to the issue of that that's the rule that brought you to a crash landing that was your hell. Just thinking about, oh, no, I've gotten now a text message saying that my work is now postponed because of yet another issue with coronavirus. Look how much benefit there has been to a number of people. And I'm not talking about the very wealthy who have certainly benefited from the coronavirus. But not so many airplanes in the air means that the, uh, the Earth has well survived, having less pollution going up. The oil industry crashed. They didn't like that, right? But there was, uh, let us say, cost and benefits in many, many different ways. And if you learn how to play that music and dance that step, you can wind up sidestepping the the hell instead of stepping right in it, like you did. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It definitely wasn't as bad as it seems like a day later looking back like it's really not that big of a deal and there's like the solutions it's just a moment of crisis you can't think about it like clearly (laughs) (laughs)
2: except that
0: let's keep that point moment of crisis for just a moment okay And go back to the point that it's the concepts of the rules or all of the stories that we've been told since childhood, all the lies about society and how society expects things of us winds up in this thing called the superego. And that it actually is instinctually based and the instinct is the instinct of the herding, the nesting, or the socialization instinct. The kind of things that uh, cats have in some ways and not in others. And so cats are seem aloof because they don't want to associate. And so they do want to associate and then they're all over you. Yeah. Okay. So this is the nesting instinct. And part of the nesting instinct is is that there are certain rules that apply to the nest. And one of the rules, like, for instance, um, uh, <clears throat> at a level of the example of the 14-year-old girl is getting dressed to go out on the weekend night and your dad says, no, you can't, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> and, and dad says, no, you can't go out. And she says, yes, I am going to go out. And he says, no, you don't. You live here. This is my house. I make the rules and you cannot go out. Okay, this happens how many times? Several times in every girl's life and at least one big time in every young man's life. Okay, which means that we are rebelling against the rules, but these rules have been laid down and laid down and laid down and laid down and passed down one generation after another over and over and over again, building up our society. And we need and we need to become aware of the oppressive rulemaking that we have, which basically is another way of looking at what kind of bars or what kind of standards do we keep making for ourselves that we either jump over too easily or fail to jump over at all. Okay, so um, the rule of, if you don't work, you don't eat, comes up, then There is a part of you that is not the superego or the parent, but the child that responds to that with, oh, no, what's to become of me? The little child inside. Now, at this point in time, a wise meditator will wake up to that little dialogue and say, aha, I see that. I see that pattern going on right now. I see that immediate rise of fear. And guess what? COVID is not going to last, everything is going to be okay right now, and I do not have to follow the rules. So we can begin to twist that around into from the critical mind of, oh, no, you don't work, you don't eat, into the nurturing mind of, yes, you can handle that. No problems here, and go right back into the very practice of the meditation that got you into the state that you just crash landed back out of. And you can do that within 10 seconds. And that would be called to be able to sustain that first jump. And so, this is what then we're talking about in the sense of
2: sustaining it. Um, the language is used guarding the mind. That we guard
0: the mind for the kind of thoughts like, oh, you don't work, you don't eat. To see that those are unwholesome thoughts because those kind of thoughts are conceptualized, looking at things over a long period of
2: time, and all we're doing is just feeling good right now. Just feeling good right now. Never mind what COVID does. We don't know what the future is going to bring. All
0: we know is there's no reason to crash land into fear.
2: No reason at all to crash land into fear. We could pull a parachute and that parachute is, wait a, wait a minute, slow down. You don't have to crash land.
1: And I don't, I don't want to be superstitious here, but. I did end up relaxing, right? And I did end up coming back into some sort of peace. Maybe not it wasn't as rapturous as the previous day, but back in
0: Well, you the... lost a lot of altitude all of a sudden. Never mind, you can float back up there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but But you gotta practice
0: work... those pulling those parachutes before you crash land. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But my uh my so work Congratulations
0: up... then. That's what we're talking about. Let's make these events, not that you won't have such a great high, because we're expecting that kind of event to happen. Let's talk yeah. about how the, what kind of crash landing did you have afterwards, because everybody has
1: that high and that
0: everybody has that crash
1: landing. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. yeah, definitely.
0: And it's generally this dialogue of, oh, you've gone too high and you're breaking the rules now. You've gone too far. You've got to suffer the consequences
1: yeah that's what no that's what i was thinking like my (laughs) i'm like there's no way i can feel this good i have to be punished like (laughs) that's the
0: hell you can't stay in heaven and enjoy it you gotta pay boy (laughs) yeah like
1: i was like oh i'm gonna pay for this one this is too good like
0: (laughs) Well, in psychology, they have the reference of, uh, I forgot exactly what was the lady's name who came up with this concept of the three P's of protection, permission, and potency. And that this one comes into the realm of protection. That it's okay to feel good and get protected from the crash landings. You get a free parachute. You don't have to talk yourself into feeling bad. And when you start to do that, pull that ripcord so that you can handle this. You can recognize that, hey, uh, I don't have to have those kind of unwholesome thoughts. I can come back. But you see, what happened was you even used the word later. So that took you a while, that you spent a whole lot of time talking yourself into how bad this crash landing was going to be. But eventually, you did pull the parachute. You did, in fact, come out of it. But look at how much altitude you lost, and look also how um, much into misery you had gone. Yeah. (laughs) Because you didn't wake up sooner. Yeah. And so that's part of the potency. The potency here has to do with, can you pull the trigger quickly? Uh, Can Can you see that stuff? As it pops into the mind, and say, "Wait a minute, we're the meditator here. We're
1: the boss." So it's like it's like a sport. It's like
0: it is. It's actually a sport. It's a. I use the word toy, but sure, this is mental sportsmanship, and you've got all the players in the game. Okay, all the crap that you've learned in the past is your enemy, if you want to play it in that kind of uh, game way. And your job is to turn that uh, enemy into a friend.
1: Uh, You know, I learned I learned how to do this. Uh, Here's a metaphor. Um, So my job, I actually I I officiate water polo. Have you ever seen a water polo game?
0: Uh, I can imagine it. They, they're they not riding seahorses, I assume. No, no, no.
1: So it's like they have a ball and it's a cage and they're swimming and they throw it. And it's a, it's really aggressive sport. It's wrestling and it's and it's grr. So
0: when there's money and other issues on it, sports always become war with rules.
1: Yes, it's war with rules. So my job is to make sure it doesn't get out of hand and become a terrible mess and just fights. Why don't you just
0: let them kill each other? I mean, you're out there in the water. These guys can drown. Go ahead and have a couple. Get it all into the headlines all over the world. (laughs) Referee stands by while two swimmers kill each other over a football. (laughs) And that
1: happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) but 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 here's the thing if i can before it it escalates into this Uh big catastrophe if i can here's a little this guy does a little thing catch it catch it before it um gets out of control then everything goes smooth that's like what you're saying it's like if you can catch when your thoughts start to go into a bad direction you're like hey i'm not going to do that then you can precisely prevent. we yeah.
0: need a referee in the game to keep <laughs> the uh, the proper kind of rules rather than the rules that are set by the parent ego state or the rules that we've heard from everybody else our whole lives
2: yeah
0: okay but that's in fact what the child is playing against and so we need the referee there on the field and the referee then is the adult ego state Okay, so we need a manager here, and one of the things that this manager is going to do, this referee in water polo, uh,
2: is to call the parent down when he's critical of the child. And that uh, we're now going to start playing with a level playing field where the
0: job of the parent is to nurture the child. Everything is all right.
2: Everything is fine. Come on, you can do it. Pick yourself up and be successful.
1: So the parent is like. The the thoughts and the child is like the, the feelings is what you're saying, right? Uh,
0: So literally we have talked ourselves through the parent ego state into feeling bad to child ego state our whole lives. Now it's time for the referee to come in and tell this parent to start nurturing the child, talk about good things so that you can talk yourself into feeling good for a change. Your choice. And somehow or another, you were never given that choice your whole life until I come along in a happy way and just kind of lay this out. There's actually quite nothing to it. That's why it's all about, you know, you've heard about emptiness and sunyata and sunyata and all of that kind of stuff. Basically, it's a piece of cake, except that there's no
2: cake. Simple, yeah. Nothing to it.
1: It's that simple. It's simple, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I knew. I knew that. Like that's what I, I, I could
0: see that. <laughs> okay, so that's the referee. That's what is needed there. Is for that. Um mind that is awake. This is what Bodhi or awakening is all about, is to wake up that parent ego state. Or excuse me, to wake up that adult state, which is also the observer, the witness, all of the stuff out through philosophy and history that they've talked about. We've all known this kind of stuff, but it's only through the practice of the teaching of the Buddha that we can see how to put the thing together so that we've got a happy, functioning human being.
1: How do I my my question is, how do I understand this? And at the same time, I have the understanding that there is no individual agent and there is no doer. That's separate from reality.
2: All right. OK, is
1: that? Well, can, would you say the that, whole, that's true?
0: Within the context of Western Buddhism, anatta is overblown, is highly, highly overrated, overrated. She, Right, in the sense that it's almost like a straw man for Christianity to shoot at because it can't get the real target. It's almost an irrelevant teaching, but it's become really important. And you could also almost say that it has to do with the concept of um, that it was intentionally wrongly translated in the first place intentionally wrongly translated in the first place because the word self in english was not a wise choice of the word to uh, to translate it into because there are so many various and different uses in the way that the word even built into the language itself as a demonstration is <laughs> built into the language itself and i just proved that it's built into the language itself by saying that OK, so the word self is not the right way of looking at the word anatta. And the second mistake that's made is, is that they translate the word anatta back to the Greek to be atomus, uh, atomus, atomus, A-T-O-M-U-S, or uh, atom, A-T-O-M. But that word only came into the Greek language at about the time of, um, oh, about the time of the Buddha, about 500 AD. That was when they were really figuring out what was the nature of reality. And they came and they kept adding, the idea is you keep cutting things and you keep cutting things and you keep cutting things until you get it down to that, that it's not destructible anymore. And that, so it's not cuttable. You can't whack it in half. This is too small. OK, you've seen like that with a knife. Sometimes you're trying to split a hair with a knife and you can't because the hair is too small and cut it sideways. OK, but you can get a knife and you can hold the, uh, uh, the hair so that you can cut it. But then you take half that half and cut it again and cut it again, etc. How far can you cut down? And the answer to that is the atom not cuttable. Now, along about 18th century, they came by and they says, oh, we have just discovered what now is known as an atom. Let's call it an atom because we don't know how to distrust it. And it didn't take very long at all to find out how to bust an atom. A hydrogen atom is very easy to be separated from its electron. OK. Mm-hmm. So what we can do now is we can go down and even to the use the word quantum because the quantum like a, for instance, a, a photon is a unit packet of energy. It has a quantum. There is also quantum in time. But there, there is a place where time cannot be, it, it's so meaningless, that it it's down to about 10 to the minus 80th of, of a second. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty small. But in that time, there's a whole lot of bouncing back and forth. So there is an atom, but that's not what uh, um, Atma uh, and um, Adam or um, <clears throat> Anatta have anything to do with that. <clears throat> After a long explanation, <laughs> <laughs> that in fact um, you you have no doubt heard the name of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Do you know that Mahatma actually means great soul, Ma? Okay. Okay. Actually, the word uh, anata has to do with a soul, which is different than indivisibility. It has more to do with, and in fact, the word that comes out of the Greek, or the the, not comes out of the Greek, but because they're similar Indo-European languages, uh, Greek is mostly... Closely for vocabulary and Latin is much more closely in structure to the poly. So that's one of, and so if you've had both Latin and Greek, poly is not going to be that difficult to, to play with. So um, the word that we have that we use that you know is the word atmosphere, A T M O, atmosphere. And the atmosphere is what the Buddha is talking about, is is that because the idea was that the atmosphere itself was alive because it gives light. In other words, the air that we're breathing is conscious itself. And the Buddha was saying, no, the air that you breathe is not conscious and that consciousness is dependently arising. You're not conscious all the time. You get hit in the head, or you fall down, or you go to sleep, or you're off <laughs> in limbo world. There's all kinds of times when they're not conscious. And when we're talking about conscious, we're talking about yes, but conscious of what? Because consciousness
2: requires an object. Does it though? But um, so the
1: experience. Consciousness, in the way you're defining it, would be like subject-object-relationship consciousness, right? Like I am conscious. Like there's an I that knows it's conscious.
0: Except that that's not the case. You're actually uh, repeating Descartes when he says... uh, I can't do it uh, in the Latin "ergo est" or something, uh, but I think therefore I am. He was wrong. He could have said instead correctly, "I think therefore
2: I think I am." Yeah. But the "I am" is merely a thought, me, mind. Yeah. That's all right. it is. It's a thought. But there is nothing to it. <clears throat> Literally,
0: it's just a me, or it's a self-preservation mechanism, and a better, better way of saying it would be an organism uh, preservation mechanism, or an instinct, because that's what it's trying to do: is preserve the organism. The problem with the human is, is that somehow we've been divided into a crowd. And we're not a unified unit most of the time. We're actually arguing in doubt, indecision. We lie. We don't like the truth. And we separate ourselves out. Okay. And so this whole quality is what the Buddha say. No, let's put all of that stuff back together again in a unified whole. Let the organs become an organism. So that it's, everything is functioning properly. Okay. Now, how does the human being get themselves into the position of being a crowd? Okay, it's the fact that we were taught as children critical thinking. That in fact the only other possibility for critical thinking most people think is magical thinking, and in yet magical thinking and critical thinking are generally the same thing. What do you mean? Well, critical thinking. Is uh, often used to, oh, you've got to look to see that that magic has got no evidence to it. Okay, so that would be how you can see critical thinking, but that's still observational. It's not necessarily critical thinking. No, critical thinking is when we're saying what it's not and what it is, that we're making judgment calls. We're saying this is good, but this is better, and that's best.
2: We're setting standards. We're setting bars that we ourselves have to cross over. And some of the bars that we set, we can't cross over, and some of them we can.
0: And some of those bars are set in the wrong places, okay? And we get attached to these bars and settings. The Pali word, by the way, is sila paramasa. You've heard the word sila. So sila paramasa, the, uh, uh, the the things around that we attach to. Uh, uh, these these attachments are the superego. The Buddha has a word for the superego. It's just in a completely different language in a d- completely different
2: context. And it's, some, and it's one of the fetters, the second fetter. What's so that? in-
1: uh, What's the you, word?
2: Sila, vata, paramasa.
0: Oh, okay. Sila, vata, paramasa, attachment to rights, rules, and rituals, which is meaning all of the stuff that we grew up with as all of the standards and rules and whatnot, that Freud calls the superego, Byrne calls the parent. This is what the Buddha calls it. And it is no. normally referenced in the middle cortex or the temporal areas of, of the brain and uh, uh, some will put it as part of the reptilian brain. Excuse me. So the culture. The reptilian brain is in the back. It's the yeah. mammalian brain. The temporal yeah, lobes. Yeah. This is where all of the data and all of the concepts and, and a lot of thinking and processing is carried out. Right. Finding us up uh, feeling miserable because of the critical thinking setting standards, jumping over bars, all of that kind of stuff in the mind. So if we can use the frontal cortex, the wisdom area, to wake up to that process, to say, wait a minute, we don't have to have critical thinking right now. Let's have some nurturing thoughts. And so that's what we're beginning to practice now is nurturing thoughts. And we're beginning to practice means we're waking up the frontal cortex, we're waking up the adult, we're waking up the observer, we're waking up the referee of all things. <laughs> hey, rep it's about time, show up. <laughs> We've been having a fight here for years. <laughs> Let's set some ground rules here, and the ground rule is, is that you can't use ground rules anymore. <laughs> You got to take it as it comes in the present moment. That's the new ground rule. Is it all? Every ground rule is suspicious and it needs to be investigated before it's allowed to be a ground rule. And you don't work, you don't eat, just bit you badly. And yeah. now you can see it. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happens in everybody's mind. How many people do you think have had similar experiences? Because they feel really, really good for whatever level they are. And then they get something about COVID and now they feel miserable yeah. just in a second or two.
1: Yeah. I couldn't stop. I was laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. I was just laughing <laughs> in the park just by myself. <laughs> <laughs> they got a text message. It was
2: infectious and generally helped me. Yeah. So this is the idea about anatta
0: is not this big whoop-de-doo that has gotten uh, Buddhism all by the throat in Western mentality. There's really nothing much to it. You've probably heard of the the three characteristics of uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta. Yeah. That in fact. That's that's paired way down. Um, At a little bit, um, slightly more dense place, Anicca, it's um, Sabe Sankara Anicca, Sabe Sankara Dukkha, and Sabe Dhamma Anatta. So when we look at it from that word, they've actually changed the verb or the substance of it from all things that are compounded, put together. In other words, all the roles, all the ways of things are supposed to be, change. And if there is a self there, to try to resist the change, then there's going to be dukkha because dukkha means dissatisfaction with what? The change. But we don't have to go in the direction of the dukkha. We can go to the direction of anatta. Oh, there's really nothing there.
1: There's no self to resist.
0: Right, there's nothing there. There's really nothing, nothing much. Or it's just air. emptiness. Yeah, emptiness. Exactly. All right. That what stands in the way is when the child feels bad about the rules that the parents set down that don't agree with whatever's happening in the moment. The nature, everything is happening. That's all we have It's just one event after another, after
2: another, after another, a really, really super fast clip.
1: I have, what about this one? Um, So you can recognize impermanence, right? You can see change. Everything changes, right? Uh Uh-huh. So in order. But not at the rate you want it. (laughs) What do you mean?
2: Well, everybody wants change. They want things. They want
0: this, that, and the other thing. If you don't have it, you want to make it yours, so you want change. Yes, everybody recognizes change. The point about that everything is changing is not the issue. Everybody knows that everything is constantly changing. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and even if you zoom in, like billions of things are changing every
0: moment. Mm -hmm. Every, Every moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Every billionth of a moment, billions of things are changing. Yeah all the way down to the quantum level
1: yes but in order to know things are changing or even understand things are changing and or see something is changing doesn't there have to be something that doesn't change um because if i could see something a changes to b and i go Change from well, a to let's B.
0: say this way, that the way that things are
2: interacting with each other are what we could call natural law.
0: An example of that would be lithium itself. Lithium is actually a metal because it's got a valence electron sitting way out there on the outside, easy to give up, and yet it's the lightest metal there is because it's only got, like. Uh, uh, two protons and uh, two uh, neutrons. And that's all it's got. Or maybe even just one neutron and two
2: protons. But anyway, that that's the property of the atom itself. That's
0: an important point. That's why we have lithium batteries, is because of it's the lightest element that is actually a metal. That freely gives up an electron. That's it. Now, are you going to go say, uh, uh, muse as a um, uh, as a physicist? No, physicists are not going to muse. They understand the nature of of uh, lithium. It's the philosopher that's going to muse about. Well, what if the lithium doesn't want to give up its atom to, or its uh, electron today? Okay, that's the kind of questions that you can ask ad infinitum. All right. Oh, one
1: second. one second. I got to grab some water. Okay, go ahead.
0: All right. That we don't know about fundamental laws of nature. All we can see is what we keep observing over and over and over again, but you need to check it again. This is, in fact, um, a, a good and easy introduction into the Eightfold Noble Path in the sense of right noble view, because most people think that the word view, because of the way that it's translated, ditti, um, is translated as view. But almost always, our views are like world views and concepts. Well, this is how I view things. Okay. That's not what we're talking about. That's a different property. We're talking about, in fact, viewing, looking, investigating, noticing again. So, rather than having like the philosopher musing over, well, what if lithium doesn't want to give up its electron? He can instead, well, let's look again and see. Well, let's look again and see. OK, that's the teaching of the Buddha to so let's take a look again and see rather than musing over what it might be. that musing over what it might
2: be is actually magical thinking. Hmm. Philosophy itself. So I'm much more see. of a physicist, I'm much more of an engineer. I'm going no to keep thing. checking to make sure
0: that that table does stand up on those four legs. <laughs> I don't trust it until I observe it again. <laughs> Engineer. That's the way. Okay. So Buddhism is an engineering process. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. It's not magical thinking. It's not what uh, must be there. It's what we can observe. So
1: seeing what's real. Right
0: now. Seeing what's real right now. And you don't work, you don't eat is not real right now. Because look, I'm not working and I don't have to not eat. (laughs) Wow, isn't that amazing? That is actually the permanent rules that are always that which is interfering
2: with the discussion of what's the reality of the moment. And so this is the invitation coming back and back over and over again. We don't have to um, uh,
0: be critical. And when we are let's make sure that the criticism that we're
2: using is useful, valuable, and wholesome. So that we can make things a little better rather than just feeling bad about how bad they are. Those things are actually pretty good. Yeah. Guess what? Planet Earth's
0: air is so stable that uh, it's still breathable in most places.
1: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to COVID, in many places, it's a whole lot easier to breathe. I have heard just in one occasion that Mexico City, for instance, lost Uh, It used to be almost a red bad air day every day, and they got it down to where they had like
2: 100 days in a row of no bad air simply because nobody was out driving. (laughs) Ah. So uh, the air is still good to breathe. Take a deep breath and enjoy the life-giving qualities of it. But the Buddha was really big on breathing.
0: Bhikkhu Buddha also made a statement that caused a bit of a ruffle in Thailand, uh, but no one could prove him wrong when he what made he the statement. Again?
1: Oh, what did he say?
0: Oh, uh, he said that the Buddha only taught one practice. We can, in English, we can say one meditation. only taught one practice or one type of meditation and that's anapanasati in and out breathing mindfulness of taking long deep breaths in and mindful of taking long deep breaths out as we develop other skills then in fact of the 16 steps of anapanasati the first two you have the word or the verb of to understand or to know because you already know how to breathe but all of the others is a, to train oneself. Like, for instance, gladdening the mind, having happy thoughts. Thus, one trains oneself. And then to feel good, to feel comfortable and solid and um, uh, satisfied, uh, secure, and safe. That's uh, the def- technical definition of the word sukha which is actually just the opposite of the
2: word dukkha. So instead of feeling dissatisfied, you literally talk yourself into feeling satisfied.
1: It's kind of weird that I, it's kind of weird to think about how you talk yourself into it. But after I talked myself into it and I was in it, it was just like, this is how it's always is. Like there's... (laughs) you don't need to talk. like why do you need to talk yourself into it (laughs) like you know what I mean
0: uh but the that's the better question would have been why have I been spending all of these years talking myself out of it
1: yeah I guess that's a better question yeah
0: because then we can see that that's exactly what has been doing, that that in fact it's it's actually talking ourselves back into feeling good should be easy peasy, a piece of cake. Why is it that we keep going back into fear and loathing and uh, disrespect and all of that? (laughs) Because we were taught. It is merely a teaching that we have learned And that we've incorporated that teaching into our set of rules and standards
1: because because that's how your parents have lived their whole lives, so they just precisely Mm -hmm. give it. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. but you can't blame them for your misery because look where they got it. Yeah, they got it somewhere else. I mean, (laughs) humans have been screwed up for a long time,
1: way back before the Buddha. (laughs) Long time.
0: And the Buddhists point out, this is what you can do, is you can just change your mind, change your attitude. And sati is the number one item on the list. Sati, to wake up. And that the waking up, then, is to wake up the adult ego state so
2: that uh, we can see this dialogue of criticism. And when we can see that dialogue of criticism, now that we have woken the referee up, the referee is has seized that criticism, he can blow the whistle on it. The so blowing the whistle would be the gladdening of the mind.
1: Now, I notice sometimes um, you can. Do the same process, but almost without the steps of talking yourself into it, like you can just feel yourself into it. I. It, sometimes that they kind of to go
2: together, they do. Yeah, um.
0: The the relax actually a way of thinking about it is is that. Uh, a mind moment is not always and necessarily filled with discursive thought. That in fact, if the mind was filled with discursive thought 100% of the time, that kind of person would be generally miserable, if not unresponsive. But in fact, many of the times we're in other uh, senses, hearing, seeing, touching, uh, experiencing the body in many ways like that. So in fact, what we're saying here with Anapanasati is we're going to spend a whole lot more mind moments looking what the body is doing as it's breathing.
2: Which means that we're spending less time in discursive thought. Hmm. So observing mind moments are different than uh, Ratting on
0: oneself, mind moments, which are different from the feelings of having been ratted on. Those are also mind moments. The actual feeling of the terror of the child is a thought moment. That if it was always just constant chatter, 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 and nothing but chatter, so what if the
2: child feels terrible? You'd never know it. So you can see that, in fact, the mind is bouncing around back and forth
0: and back and forth and bringing the the referee onto the field
2: so that we can begin to change the ground rules from, oh, no,
0: no work today, I won't eat today. Oh, I've got so much work to do. Oh, it's piling up. Oh, I feel terrible into that dialogue into, hey, another
2: day off. (laughs) Yeah, another day off. Reminds me of another conversation I had with a student when
0: he was talking about how marvelous he, he enjoyed his girlfriend and then she left to go to work or away or to someplace. And now he's thinking about her and pining with her and using what we call in English language. He was missing her. Which means that she was providing him with a service and now she's gone and not giving him that service and he's deprived somehow. And so he has to force her to come back so that he can feel good because he can't feel good himself anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: The reality of the situation is, is that he felt good when she was there. Not everybody feels as good as he did when they're with her, but he talked himself into feeling that good. Yeah, And so now that she's gone, he can have good thoughts about her. In Thai language, we have the term kit toon which means I've been thinking about you. And that leaves it to I've been thinking really happy thoughts about you. Or I've been thinking miserable thoughts because I'm without
2: you. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it's the same thing. So the, the lady, when she left, now the guy is in the position of, hey, he can think about her and remember and reminisce how wonderful it was. Ah, uh, yeah as opposed to feeling like that he misses her, that she's obligated to fulfill his needs.
1: Yeah, because that's a recipe for disaster.
0: Precisely, (laughs) precisely, but just, oh no, uh, COVID again today, no work, no eat, is a disaster
2: in its own right. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same process of the mind. It's exactly the same thing in the sense of
0: uh, at least when we're in a really, really good state and those thoughts come up that give us those negative feelings, we can wake up at
2: that point and say, ah, I see that. I can see what's going on. Then, in fact, you may not even know it until after you feel bad. Yeah. But then you can recollect, oh, the reason I'm
0: feeling so bad is because I thought about work. Yeah. And it was the thought feel complex that startled me down. In fact, I had a problem with several of them. Thought, feel, thought, feel, thought, yeah, feel, thought, yeah. feel. Oh, and now I can wake up.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And all that time we're losing altitude.
1: Yeah.
0: So the quick the question is, how soon can you catch that stuff? Wakey-wakey, that's why we're building the quality of sati. Uh, Sati, to wake up, to look at what the mind is doing. Because if if you can wake
2: up to see what the mind is doing, you have control over it. The the adult in the house is always
0: the one in in charge.
1: I'm in charge, yeah. Right
2: you probably heard the expression that people only use 10% of their mind. This is normally said by
0: nerds. I don't think
1: that's true. <laughs> well, I it I think that's a myth. Not. No, yeah. it.
0: Well, it has a truth of wisdom into it in the sense that everybody is quite capable of using all of the various qualities of the mind and do so often.
1: They just oh, don't yeah.
0: happen to use the frontal cortex for about 10% of the time. The rest of the time, they rely on the easier parts of the mind.
1: Yeah.
0: In other words, we drive our cars by habit rather than by alert. Imagine how safe a driver would be if every time he took the same path, he was under the impression that I'm on a new road and I really got to pay attention to where I'm going. But no, we get into habit.
2: And so we rely upon the old maps and follow the old maps into disaster. Because the map's not the territory, especially not the maps that you generated when you were
0: seven and eight years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't think the habits are I don't think the habit itself is a bad thing if we have good ones. Right. If we can replace.
0: Absolutely. That, in fact, that's the right way to to look at it is, is that let's take out the unwholesome bad habits and replace them uh, with new ones. And how do we do that? By practice yeah. over and over and over again. So we get into the habit of. That means that the disasters now happen very infrequently
2: and are not really yeah. all of that much disasters because we're pretty quick at catching this stuff. So yes, we do want to develop wholesome habits,
0: That in fact, you already have quite a number of wholesome habits. When I talk about those, let's just take credit for those. Pat yourself on the back with all those wholesome habits. You might even want to take a 10 minute or maybe 10 hour day and uh, write down all of your good habits if you want to. That's okay. You've got tons of them. We're not talking about the good habits. We're talking about the bad habits
2: that cause suffering in Dukkha. Yeah. And one of them is talking ourselves into feeling bad when all the words of mentioned
0: just COVID, day off.
1: <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Uh,
2: that's wisdom talking. But you didn't see that the first time. So, Scott, this has been a really enjoyable talk. I think that you've gotten
0: somewhere how to practice about how to be able to sustain these wholesome thoughts. Go back. Keep up. Enjoy yourself. Thank
1: you so much. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: I will. Like crazy, man. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye.
2: All right. Bye-bye.